Welcome to the From Little Things podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kenizaro, and together on this show, we'll speak with Aussie small business owners, founders, and entrepreneurs to share their stories and learn from those who have been on the journey from little things and beyond, so we can make it easier for you to succeed in business and life. From Little Things is brought to you by Papiera, the all-in-one solution that makes business easy for Aussie sole traders, company directors, and small business owners. You can learn more and get started for free at papera.com. Today we have Lucas Owen. Lucas, thanks so much for joining us on the show. How are you going? Hey, Daniel. Yeah, stoked to be here, man. Looking forward to chatting. So um, I'd love to understand a little bit more about your journey from little things. Uh, as we've mentioned, um, I know you and I met a long time ago, um, but sometimes I like my guests to really put in their own words around you know, what it is that you do day to day and... Um, and take us through sort of what do you do today and then we'll go from there. Yeah, of course. Well, um, I'm a qualified naturopath. Uh, so I studied four years to complete that degree. And what I do on a daily basis now is not typical of a naturopath. I mean, I, I've started my own company and you know, now my main mission is to spread and share health information across different platforms such as YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all, all the, the main podcasts. Uh, you know, social media platforms. And I share a lot of health information that can benefit the world. And I mean things around nutrition, supplements, lifestyle hacks. Yeah. The key word is biohacking. Like that's my that's my title now as Australia's leading biohacker. Okay. Um so yeah, very passionate about what I do and um yeah, very, very much looking forward to sharing what I've learned over the years. So, I mean, I'm really curious to know how does one find themselves on that journey? So, um, you know, as you just mentioned, it's not the typical uh, even naturopathy journey. Um, but where did you start? Can you share your origin story with us? Yeah. So, um, when I decided to pivot into that naturopathy degree, I was actually studying exercise science. Um, but during that degree, I was so busy researching herbs, researching nutrition, different supplements and trying to understand them in greater detail. Um, and at the time I was playing semi-professional soccer, like I was, you know, playing at a pretty high level here in Melbourne, you know, went overseas, played overseas in, in, in uh, Hungary and Budapest. Um, and then when I got back, I realized that, you know, in order to get to that extremely high level professional soccer, I need to sacrifice pretty much everything and prioritize that over everything. And, that's when I decided, look, I don't think that career is going to maximize my potential and I feel like I have more to offer. Um, and that's when I pretty much decided to, at the age of 19, I decided to get involved in a startup and I was completely unpaid for two years, purely just um, with a passion, loving, learning about um, supplements. It was actually Australia's first nootropics company. Um, which are like smart drugs. And um, just from there, I, you know, got experience into like what not to do in a business, you know, the mistakes you don't, you want to avoid. Um, and then from there, as I was studying my naturopathy degree, I was creating a lot of content. So in the second year of my naturopathy degree, I just started creating a lot of content, sharing a lot of information on Instagram and what inspired that? What was the, you know, why did you start doing that? 
The main reason for that, Daniel, is because I knew I had something unique to offer that no one else was talking about. And I always felt like I had some some like different perspective that other people really weren't talking about. And I felt like I had a lot of knowledge to showcase. Yeah. And I was like, I was looking at the current, like the big players in in, in the field, in, in the health coaching space. And I was like, I was looking at their content and I'm like, there's nothing special about what they're posting. Like I I could I could one up them. Like I feel like I could enter a new level of like research or something more novel or underground. Um, and so I was really inspired. In, I think I was really inspired to just have a voice, to be honest. Like just to have yeah. like a have an opinion that matters. Because um, when I was playing soccer, I felt like I had no voice. My coach was super super strict. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> I, um, I just, uh, for what it's worth, I also grew up playing soccer and I guess, uh, football for those, uh, maybe listening outside of Australia. Um, and so I, I, I understand the journey, but, um, what I'd be really keen to understand and something that I find really valuable for our listeners as well, if you can sort of, you spoke about sort of 19 onwards, but pre 19 to whatever you're happy to share, um, to whatever extent, uh, what was, what was your sort of upbringing like and. And are there any sort of lessons through that that you think maybe shaped who you are today and, and why, what drove you to become a business owner? Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned that because I never really dived deep into like what happened when I was like 16, 17. At high school, I was actually selling lollies. Um, <laughs> I was, um, I used to buy them like in bulk from this place in, in, in Melbourne and yeah. I'd sell them and I'd make a decent amount of profit at school. So I was actually starting that little, you know, that little entrepreneurial mind back then. And I even also used to buy these um little universal TV remotes. Yeah. Um they where you could just control and hack any TV. So so I used to buy them off um off eBay for a dollar eighty and I'd sell them at school for like ten dollars. So my markup was phenomenal. Yeah. Um but in yeah in terms of my upbringing um I was fortunate, man. I had really good parents, like really, really supportive parents. They were very, they never told me what I had to do as a career. They just wanted me to be happy and all that. But I definitely think playing soccer um, instilled this level of discipline that I carry today, where it's like just a really relentless level of discipline and focus. And I feel like that has, like the ability to stay focused has been extremely crucial to i'd say like my growth and and business uh, business success awesome and um what what do you, what do you think it is that led you to want to sell uh lollies <laughs> and remotes at school like what what was the key driver um well first of all i was just i think it was maybe boredom like i was just a little bit bored yeah. i wanted to like start something new and just so looking for a challenge yeah i'd say so i'd say so uh, see how far I can scale it. <laughs> yeah, um, it was. It started out as like yeah, a bit of bit of fun as well. It sort of subsided. It didn't really go anywhere. It's not like I started an online lolly store after that. <laughs> it was just like a taste for what. It, no pun intended. Taste for what it's like to to have your own business. And, and at that stage, do you, did you do you recall like feeling like this is cool? I want to be. I want to have my own business. Or was it kind of like this is just a thing that I'm doing while I'm at school, and I'm still going to maybe go to uni and, and you know, like or, or pursue a professional soccer career at the time? Um, do you like yeah? What what were your learnings? Um, I think 
One thing that my dad tried to really teach me from a young age was um, customer satisfaction and just making sure the customer always keep your good customers happy. Um, he always like sort of used to enforce that. And my dad's a pharmacist. He owns he owned his own pharmacy, and I also used to work in that pharmacy after after high school. I you know I did deliveries and I was like the vitamin specialist in the pharmacy. Cool. Um, but yeah, man, like I think it was just interest in the field, interest in like making money, definitely making money. I, I sort of felt like, you know, the more money I could accumulate, the more control over my life I can have and the more autonomy and freedom. And yeah, that ultimately was a, was a big driver. Thanks for sharing that. And um, what, what did you discover like when you're going through that journey of studying uh, at any point in time, did you think to yourself, well, perhaps I'll, I'll graduate and, and get a job? Um, or was it always I'll graduate and then start my own business? You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I always, f- from a young age, I just always felt like I would be doing something different. Yeah, <laughs> like just not following the main, the mainstream way of just like get a job and work. I mean, I did work at a at a fruit shop at one stage. This was probably after university. It was like around about twenty one. I was, I got a job at a fruit shop like a fruit and veggie place and organic store. And the boss there was a was a pain in the ass. Like he was just constantly micromanaging and just not a happy man. And I was just like so turned off, like being told what to be, what to do by an angry boss. Yeah. Um and yeah, I guess like the main driver there was like I just felt like um I had this vision in my head that I'd be working for some of the biggest like supplement manufacturers in Australia, I always thought like I'd be hired to yeah. like get a job with them and I'd be recruited or, you know, just get like scouted. I always had this belief that I'd get scouted somehow. <laughs> so if not on the soccer field, uh, off the soccer field. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so then let's fast forward then again to you know post nineteen era now you're two years into your um, into your degree you've started a social presence um, what was it like initially starting to get content out there and at what stage did you start to get feedback that it was actually working and something worth pursuing Daniel I'll never forget the day when I woke up um, having a look at my social media account and I woke up to like fifteen hundred followers overnight on Instagram and I was. I remember going downstairs, showing mom and dad, and I screamed to them like I was blown away. I was like, "Look at this! Like I just came like fifteen hundred followers overnight." And that was a critical moment for me because that was after creating about I don't know two hundred posts on Instagram, and these were just like posts about nutrition that were unique and just cutting edge research. And there was a guy from like Dubai who saw my content, reshared my post. And then I just blew up and just exploded in terms of followers. And I was like, so this is what it takes to get recognition. I was like, okay, if this method has expedited my growth by like the equivalent of two months of work in one night, all I have to do is repeat the process, rinse and repeat. Like yeah. how, how can I get more people to do what that big guy just did for me? Um, so I, I then DM'd that, that guy um, and I said, thanks for the follow. Like, I really appreciate that. I asked him 
what content do you want to see more of that you think your audience would benefit from? So then he responds back saying, oh, hey, Lucas, well, I wasn't expecting a message. Um, I think my audience would like posts on, I don't know what it was. It was like a specific supplement or whatever. And I'm like, okay, sure. I mean, I'll generate a post within 24 hours. And if you could please share it again, I'd be so grateful. You know, he did it again. I gained another like 500 followers and I'm like, and then I went through the followers that came in and I'm like, I scrolled through every single account of all the new followers and I'd click on ones that were like, I don't know, that had like over a hundred thousand followers and or they were like big on social media. And I would literally connect with them and say, Hey, thanks for the follow. This is Lucas. I'd send him a voice message saying, Hey, thanks for the follow. It's Lucas here from Australia. Um, great to connect. If you like my posts, I'd be really grateful if you could please reshare it on your story. And then you'd be shocked, man, like how many people said yes out of just good heart and goodwill and people just shared my content. And before you know it, the followers were just growing like organically. And Luke, at this stage, did you have a business or was at this stage it was more a passion project of, you know, you're passionate about the topic, you want to get the content out there and see kind of what, how it resonates with people? At this point, I was like sub 10,000 followers and I didn't even have a website. Um, I was just, I, I, what, what I was doing in the background was I had an Excel sheet of all the different products that I eventually want to talk about. So I yep. started curating a list of products where I was like, yep, I know my audience would like this, they'd like this, they'd like this, they want to learn about this, no one's heard about this. Um, and that's when I contacted my web, uh, my previous startup buddy, um, who at the previous startup, and I said, hey, John, like, I'd love for you to create a website for me. Like, Can you set up a website? Like, Let's get the ball rolling. And I, we spent a long time building the website. Originally, it was um, ergogenichealth.com.au. And if you fast forward all, all the way to today, it's boostyourbiology.com. There's yep. like no .com.au, it's just boostyourbiology.com. Um, and I remember saying to mum and dad, I'm like, I'm not going to start promoting any products until I hit 15,000 followers because I want to gain... Uh, trust, respect, and authority first. I don't want to look like I'm just constantly promoting products. I want to show them that I'm giving value. It was all about values. It's like I was 10xing the value for asking for one in return. Like I was, it was 10 to one for sure. Like yeah. it was give, 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 and then eventually you receive. And I have received enormously um, over the years. So yeah, it's amazing. So, which year was this? Because we're in January 2024 today. Um, how far back are we going back? It would have been probably late 2020. 2020. Okay, so four, almost four years ago. And yeah, um, three and a bit. But um, that's awesome. So, uh, and at that point in time, was it that you had seen some literature or read something or learned something about? community building and the importance of that? Or was it just natural that you found your way there and sort of said, I want to build this community um, around me? Look, I, 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 I knew the sort of community that I wanted to build. And I would actually, it was very similar to some other pretty well-known health coaches like Ben Greenfield. Um, there were some other pretty big names that I was inspired by. And I was like, I think I can carve out an audience that's sim- similar to theirs. But I was really inspired by a couple of websites back in the day. It, there was one particular website called ergo-log.com. And I would look at the the studies and the, and the things that they would share. And I'm like, my gosh, the content here is like, 
if I find this fascinating, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other people that find this really fascinating who are into like sports science. Um, so then from there, I was like, yeah, like I'm inspired by them. And then like the mission was like just showcase new and novel information that no one else is talking about and I want to be the trendsetter. I want to be the the influencer of influencers, basically. That was like my, my mission. Great. And um, and was this on Instagram purely at this point in time or did you do it across other channels as well? Yeah. So then, so the first platform that I like positioned myself on was Instagram. The second was the website launch. And then after that was when I launched my own podcast. So the Boost Your Biology podcast. Yeah. Um, and that started out as like literally like solo episodes, but then I was like, easily finding guests for the podcast and everyone was saying yes they're happy to like who isn't happy to come on a podcast these days like pretty much everyone's happy to come on and thank um, you for coming on this one <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's because the the guest gets a chance to talk about themselves for one hour like so of course they're exactly. gonna enjoy that <laughs> um right very good the ego ego goes through the roof but um yeah so in terms of that so there was like podcast but the critical step for me, Daniel, in terms of my career growth and what expedited things like exponentially was actually pivoting to YouTube. Okay. Um, there was a, my brother said to me at the start of lockdown during COVID was he said, um, you should be on YouTube because I think your audience would receive your content better in that format in like, because it's a chance for you to make eye contact with your audience like you. They get to see who the name is, who who's behind the brand. Are you referring to YouTube Live when you're when you're referring to YouTube in terms of eye contact and and the ability to uh, communicate with them? Yeah, I mean like not not YouTube Lives, just normal YouTube videos, eight to yep. twelve minutes. Just gets like you're literally in front of your audience, like it's just you and the camera. Like you're getting they're getting a chance to see you. Um, who, who is your audience, Lucas? So um, who are the types of people, or, or maybe age demographics? Like how do you segment your audience when you think about? audience yeah so initially i started out as targeting both men and women but yeah. now about a year ago we actually niched down into just men so i only work with men and i most of my content about 95 percent of my content is geared towards men is there an age um, group or is it just more so gender-based yep so between 25 to 60 it's okay. a pretty wide age range <laughs> yeah um, uh, do you find them all on youtube in terms of that or do you find on YouTube specifically there's a specific age range? Um, yeah, across all the platforms, I think that's like the the, the average it's age. Good reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, maybe for the benefit of, of our listeners, you know, what drove that decision to need to to niche down into a specific gender and not stay broad? It was actually my brother who. He's got more of a marketing background. He worked for HubSpot. He worked for Trustpilot. He worked for these. He's a, he's he works for me today. Like he's he's a beast. Like he's okay. good at the sales and marketing. And he said, like he's like, bro, like you can't serve everyone. You have to hyper focus on the area that you love working with the most. And number two, that you're the best at. And I said, look, I'm known for the the guy who's all about testosterone optimization, like men's hormonal health. Yeah. I might as well niche down into that area um, because we then developed a, a digital course targeted only for men. That's called the thelimitlesscourse.com um, and that's targeted for men over the age of 30 
who are struggling with like low energy, low motivation, um, lack of, you know, like fatigue and things like that. Um, and so that's when I developed that front end offer, which was like a low ticket funnel entry that ascends them into higher like group coaching and things like that. Awesome. So um, it's really interesting. I mean, it sounds like you found what we often refer to as product market fit, where you've had this, your particular expertise in the area, you're marketing to everyone, but actually you've, you've identified that there's a specific segment and you've niched down on that. Um, I just wanted to sort of just follow the, the series of events then. So 2020, you've, you've started, you've built your following. At what stage did you start generating revenue? So when did you hit that 15,000 follower mark when you started uh, selling products? You know, I think it was about a year and a half after consistent posting on you uh, on Instagram was yeah. when I actually start was when I decided okay I'm going to pitch the first products the first affiliate products these weren't my products these were just other companies products where I'd say this is the magnesium that I recommend and I'd just put it on my as a post or a story it's funny. I really wish I remember the first time I got my first affiliate sale. It just you didn't uh, screenshot it and put it on a plaque somewhere. Or, um, no, <laughs> I really. I wish I did, man. Because um, what I do remember was, um, it would have been like last year university. I remember I was at a point where I was waking up and before, like before I'd even started my day overnight, I had earned like. $500 overnight and I did I hadn't even done anything like it was just purely passive income and I was like damn this is awesome and then and then I was thinking like so you figured out how to make money when you slept basically literally making money overnight and I was yeah. like this is so cool like I was telling and I send the screenshots to my dad and he's like wow like he was so he was so impressed he's like the things I would do to make that money like you know as a pharmacist like there's so much more effort to make that sort of money yeah um and then I was like, in my head, I was like, what do I have to do to hit a K a day? Like, how do I hit a K a day? That was my first goal. Like, how do I? So I think this is really interesting, actually. Uh, and I just want to just pause on that. Um, what were you doing, like, day to day while you were? So it sounds like at the moment, this is still kind of a bit of a side hustle passion project at this point in time, where you're, you're studying full time, perhaps. Um, mm -hmm. You weren't yet relying on this income by the sounds of things. Um, mm -hmm. Did you have in your mind a specific point in time where you would have maybe had to give up if you didn't get to an income level or had you already committed to the path of saying it's going to take as long as it takes? Like just there's a lot of people and the reason why I ask a lot of people sort of want to start a business or are passionate about starting a business or potentially in business right now. Um, this could be really helpful to help them think through that. Yeah. So when I was studying full-time and that's a pretty intensive workload already, like being a full-time student, I'm, I'm sure you know, remember what, what that was like, um, you know, lots of assignments and things like that. But I was actually really committed to like, I think what was weird is that like, I would get like frustrated during class a lot of the time because things were moving too slow. And I was yeah. always just working, wanting to do things so fast, like finishing assignments before they've even been handed out sort of thing. Like I'd, I'd joke about like marking my own assignments at university because the lecturer was too slow, like just things like that. But, um, and I think that's what one thing Stevie and Stevie G and myself have in common. We're just super fast at getting shit done, like really, really fast. Um, there's always a sense of urgency with what I do. Um, but in terms of like committing to that path at the time, yes, I was doing that on the side 
it was literally like after university, after class would finish, I would stay back at university and I'd spend at least two hours or so just creating content. Yeah. And I always, I always knew that I'd get to my like I, I'd, I'd committed so much to it because I was like, got to remember, like I was really just enjoying what I was doing so much that it, it just didn't feel like work for me. It really, I didn't even picture it as work. Like it just felt like this is literally just so much fun. And and so then to help like understand the the journey then from you've got five hundred dollars in a night. How did you get from five hundred dollars to a thousand? Like how did, how long did that take in terms of thousand dollars a day? And um, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but I assume it wasn't just a straight path to get there. Like what were some of the the learnings and, and failures along the way? So that initial goal was for so five hundred dollars a day was coming through one of my affiliate. Um, companies that I'd partnered up with. So that was just from one. And I had multiple affiliate companies that I'd partnered up with. I had like 15. Um, some of the other ones were getting like what five bo- five bucks a day. The other ones were getting like 20 bucks a day. Some of the other companies weren't getting any clicks at all. So I was like, meh, don't worry about them. Like no one cares about these products. So I got rid of them off my website. But at the time I was actually also simultaneously developing my own courses. And I always believed that Okay, if I just sold one $400 course a day, that's, you know, 500 from the affiliates and then $400 from the from the course, that's about, you know, it's 900 bucks. Um and then I'd probably get another $100 from somewhere else. I don't even, it'd be some other revenue source as like ad revenue. I can't even remember what it was. It was just, Uber, Uber for the day or something. <laughs> <laughs> um and it took me until I think it was about a year out of uni until I hit that pay a day pretty much on like on autopilot with minimal effort. I say, I say it as like, it's, it's not a lot of, it wasn't a lot of effort because I'd already built the audience and I would built that following. Yeah. Um, and I was lucky because the company that I was working for had lifetime cookies, which means that um, the tracking means that if let's say you go to the website I promote the product, Daniel. You go to the website, you buy today. If you go yes. back in three months' time and buy another product from that site, I still get twenty five percent commission on that sale. Great. So the affiliate marketing model was like minimal. Over, there were no overheads for me. There was none. Like I didn't have to carry. And, and were you operating alone at this point? It was purely solopreneur. Um, I had. A couple of like video editors from Philippines. So I started hiring. Um, you know, Is that mainly on a freelance basis, though? Yeah, none of these. These were all just freelance employees. There was no one that was like consistently helping me every day. Yeah. Um. So that was pretty much how I set things up from there. And um, what were some of the biggest challenges of getting to that point? One of the biggest challenges that I haven't really spoken about was actually censorship on Instagram and it's still affecting my business today. Um, My Instagram page has been flagged numerous times um, for misspreading like health information, just silly reasons, like really, really unfair reasons. Um, Like there was an underwear that I was promoting that's healthy for men's um, hormonal health, like good for their fertility and it got flagged as promoting sexual products or some adult content just ridiculous uh, even yeah. though it wasn't is it a regulated space that you're operating in with some of these products 
It definitely is. Um, and that's why with my future goals and future plans to release my own supplements myself, like my own supplement range, I'm actually setting that up in the US for that very reason. It'll be a US made um, and US registered company when I head towards that path. And you'll be doing that remotely from Australia is the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, maybe I'll, so what's really interesting points. Okay. So you've had this, this incident, incident where Instagram's flagged uh, and it makes it a bit more generic from a learning perspective. You've got a primary platform that you rely on for your business and it's restricting your distribution. How did you deal with that? So that's a great question. That's when my brother said, like, he's like, he's like, bro, you don't own your audience. Instagram owns your audience. You need to create a newsletter. And at the time, I started building up that email list over time. I was generating, I had this like strategy that I could get a lot of email signups from my audience like really quickly. I, and and I, what year are we in here? Sorry to interrupt, Lucas. Like, where, where are we on the timeline here? So, is this 2022 by this stage? Yeah, around about 2022. Um, I started generating that, that email list with, um, what I would do was I'd run free webinars, like free um, online webinars, and that would generate like at least 800 email signups, um, in, possibly in one day, um, which was phenomenal because it's very hard to get that organically. Um, so I was building up the email list pretty fast with these free webinars, and I was literally running like online webinars. How are you getting the word out there about the webinars? Were you just using your organic following? Or were you paying for ads to to advertise them? It was all organic following. Plus, I was um, telling other health coaches that I'm running a free webinar and asking them if they can share my webinar on their story. So, uh, in terms of a mindset, I think one thing that your audience would love to hear is that. I was very pro collaboration from an early age. Like I was all about, we're all in this together. Let's all win together. Let's all create opportunities for each other. Let's network like absolute crazy. I was always like really hyper prolific on networking and connecting with other, even what some people would say, these are your enemies. Like these are like your competitors. They're literally you know, your, your frenemies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I saw them as like, yeah, look, we're going to be in this industry together for a long time to, like might as well, I might as well reach out, connect with them. I would book them on my podcast to create a friendship and a relationship, even though they know that I'm treading on their, like we're almost like treading on each other's territory. Yeah. Everyone's here to win. Like, and everyone can win because the market size is so big. Well, it's the grow the pie mindset, not, uh, not steal the pie from each other. So um, yeah, I think that's a great approach to it. And I think if you take a win-win approach, it's always, a way to get people on board and, and make things remove the friction from doing business. But um, mm. I mean, the way you speak about it, it makes it sound very easy, Lucas, but um, uh, what were some of the setbacks in doing that? Not everyone wants to cooperate. Not everyone wants to collaborate. Um, some people don't want to grow the pie together. Uh, how did you work out You know what didn't work? Look, I definitely had a number of setbacks in terms of posts that I thought would do well, but they just completely flopped and they did really bad. Like, and I was, I would teach myself that even though I was getting a, a really low amount of likes and engagement and no one cared about a post that I put, you know, up to one hour of actual research and time, like I, it hurts, it hurts when you spend a lot of, a lot of time, like it's like creating art and then yeah. realizing no one wants your artwork. Like it's, 
it hurts. But then I quickly in- adopted the mindset of um, fail fast and move and and learn from it and move forward. So I would not. Hmm. Have there, it's really that's really valuable insight because. Uh, but have there been any uh, parts along this journey? You sound like a very optimistic, energetic guy, by the way, which is awesome. But and I think you need that as a business owner. But have there been any parts around during this journey where it's kind of been consistent failed experiments? We're like, oh, you know, maybe I've lost the momentum. Maybe it's not working. Or was it always kind of like you found a way forward pretty quickly? It's a good question. Um, I think. One thing that I realized was that it's so quick and easy to to um, pivot and because I'm the boss, like, because I'm the boss, like, I don't have to report to anyone. So, like, I could just be like, nah, stuff this. I'm just going to try this approach. Yeah. I, like, the, the agility in my business is insane. Like, it's just like the whole thing is one big experiment. And it's just like you're just learning what works, what doesn't work. I would take note on, like, Okay, after 30 minutes after a post, I should get roughly 60 likes. This was before the analytics, like the proper analytics kicked in. This is like when I I do my own analytics. Yep. And I'd be like checking my phone one hour after the post and it's like, oh, have I hit the 60 likes? If so, then this is going to be a good performing post. I'd just store all that information into my into my head and be like, yeah. But in terms of like things that didn't really work out. If it didn't work out, I wouldn't get too bogged down on it. I wouldn't get one thing I think I was really good at was a, removing my emotion from the results as well. Okay. <laughs> no, and I yeah. think that's a big thing for, for founders and business owners where you, you, your identity can often get tied to your business and, and to your success. Um, perhaps what would be really cool to understand a little bit more of, it sounds like you've mastered this, is um, can you talk to us a little bit about the mindset training that you've undergone to be able to push through and and perhaps that you share with others as well. Yeah, I mean, business mindset and entrepreneurial mindset is like, I definitely think there are various elements that contribute to like, you know, healthy mindset around business. I said before, um, being able to like detach my emotions from the business in a way is was actually really crucial because if I let the negative effects negative performance of my post affect my motivation, I actually used it as a fuel source. I'm like, you know what? This post did, sh- did shit, but I'm going to like make sure this next post does really, really well. I'm going to put in even more effort now. Like it didn't have the, like even though it was negative, it didn't make me bogged down. It actually inspired me to like go harder and push harder. But again, yeah. that mindset could have been adopted from playing soccer. Like, you know, the guy got like I was a defender. If the attacker beat me, I'd be like so determined not to let him beat me next time, you know. So um definitely mindset around that in terms of like keeping focus, keeping discipline, learning how to say no to that's the other thing. In terms of learning how to say no, I was missing out on like life in a sense. And I think this is something really important to yeah, mention. Yeah, I was, was gonna ask you about how you maintain the balance because you know, even talking about and I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought there, so please don't lose that thought. But um, right. even when you mention the piece around I did a post, I spent an hour crafting a post, I posted it, I waited an hour, I did the analytics. It's really time and energy intensive, right, to do that time and time again. And um, you know, even knowing from my own experience, over time that can add up the burden of doing that. Uh, mm. How have you maintained that balance? Yeah. Um, look, I think I've been pretty good in terms of, yeah, over time, I've realized where 
my best use of time is. And now I've outsourced all of that nitty gritty stuff to like, like I've got assistance and things that actually help me now. Um, But back then when I was young and broke, you know, like broke in a sense, like I had to do everything and I had to wear all the hats and it would just mean that I would have to say no to going out for dinner with friends on a, on a weeknight. It would mean that I had to say no to relationships. You know, I think being single throughout the really critical periods of my business growth without a doubt helped me because I was just more focused and I had more time. Like if you're in a relationship, you have to, I'm in a happy relationship now and I've, you know, enabled that healthier balance. But um, at the time, I think I was looking around at some of my best friends who were in relationships and they were watching me like put in the hours and I was watching them being a little bit upset that I'm like, oh, I really wish I had what they had. Um, but, but, but I always thought I'm like, I hope this pays off in the end. Like I hope once I hit 30 or, you know, 35, I'll be happy. Like I'll, it'll be all, all be worth it. Yeah. Um, You're not 30 yet, are you, Lucas? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) So you've done phenomenally well. Um, Who are some of the mentors that you've turned to through the journey to keep yourself positive and learn? Because, you know, you're you're a young, successful guy. Um, You've mastered some some key platforms to to spread your message and and you're very confident about, you know, the the insights you have to share, which is awesome. But, um, you know, to a lot of people, it doesn't come naturally. Who have you kind of allowed uh, leaned on to um, to source that inspiration. Yeah, I've had a few mentors over the years. I've even seen like different um, like mindset coaches, and I, I do believe in uh, seeking the help of people who have been there, done that. Like, and that's a really important lesson is in business. If you can, if you can, like, pay to get someone to teach you, this is how to do it, and that's going to save you like three months of trying to figure it out by yourself. In my opinion, I think it's worth it um, because, you know, you're just going to expedite your results. Um, and don't be disappointed that you have to dip dip into your bank savings account in that regard. Like I wasn't, I wasn't that, um, I wasn't that protective of my income. Like I wasn't very like um, hesitant to invest, like invest in myself. So I was very pro- self-investing but my mentors number one my sean wells he's a the world's greatest supplement formulator he's still my mentor right now um he's helped me along the way in terms of like what to do how to you know sort of present yourself and things like that but i've even seen like psychologists i've seen like a particular mindset coach and counselor who's helped me with look it, it may it may look like it's all positives but without a doubt there have been some pretty intense like sad moments in terms of like feeling like I'm missing out on life and um, feeling just burnt out and depleted a little bit at at points because I'm just going so hard that by the time it hits Friday night, I can't be bothered going on a date. Like I'm just too depleted. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's been, it's been a challenging path as well. Like I don't think, people really know what's required behind the scenes to really just like grow the business and be consistent as well. Like even there is not a single day that goes by where I don't think about my business. Like I, I, I even though I take holidays, like I'm still checking emails, I'm still like committed to it. Yeah. 
And um, I guess like what's been some of that internal conversation you've had with yourself on those days where, you know, you had scheduled some time to do something personally, um, something's come through, you have to address it, you're exhausted. You know, what do you tell yourself to push through? What I say to myself is would, and I'd fill in the blank with um, someone who I who I look up to, so yep. he's actually he's actually got a YouTube channel. Would Derek from More Plates, More Dates say? Well, how would he approach this? And yep. then I look I look at what, what he he's gotten there in my eyes. Like he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast, which I want to get on. Like he's he's already built his subscribership to two two million subscribers. Like he's been there, achieved what I'm hoping to get to. And I say, would he be doing that, or would he be pushing through? And so I yep. could say that to myself. I'm like, if you really really want it. Like you're gonna have to do what you're gonna have to do the hard yards. Like you're gonna have to put in the work. That's it's um it's something I think that everyone faces as a challenge as they go through the journey. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that. But, um, perhaps like switching switching the conversation a little bit to um your focus today and and what your future plans are. So talking a little bit about formulating supplements and health products, and and maybe if you can share something around sort of just how what the work you do interfaces into people that are running businesses as well and how that can help them. Yeah, so the future goals and aspirations that I have, I mean, like I said, we started with the affiliate model, which was I'm not holding any stock. I'm just linking out to products that I recommend and getting a commission like 15 to 20% per sale. But I've had numerous conversations with people who have said, Lucas, You've got a great audience. You've got lots of respect and authority in Australia. You have all these great supplement ingredients and formulation ideas. Why the hell don't you just formulate your own supplement range? And the reason that it's been holding me back has been, I would say my parents, because they initially have said to me that um, it's going to be too too much, uh, too many overheads in terms of expenses. Like it's going to be between a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars to really get that. Off the ground, so, and so a difference in risk appetite is um, yeah, 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 exactly, and that's the traditional. I mean, parents like mum and dad, the traditional like thinking they're not as risk taking. But then you talk to other people who say like, "Oh no, you're young. You might as well take risks. Like whilst you're young, you don't have many responsibilities. Like you can afford to fail big." But look, the timing has been. I think I'm ready now. Like I've, I feel like I built an audience. I've got a good following. I've got steady income passively. Um, like things are humming along pretty nicely. Like touch wood. Like things are going pretty well. Now is the time to to start planting the seed because I know it's going to take at least eight to ten months for this product to actually hit the shelf and be for sale online on my store. Yep. Uh, but that transition if you can imagine if i'm generating 15 to 20 percent commission right now on a product that's not even mine yeah. and i'm pretty happy with these results then imagine when it's my own product and the margins i'm making hopefully would be at least 40 to 50 percent so um, it's a yeah sorry no, yeah like it'd be 40 to 50 percent like that would obviously lead to better business success you know so that's uh, it's an interesting thought because what I did want to ask as part of that is you know your definition of success. Um, it sounds like 
uh, up to now, you've been operating largely as a sole operator. You, you engage help as you need it along the way. Um, and it sounds like you're, you're generating revenue. Uh, you're able to keep doing what you're doing. Um, what's that, what do you think that underlying driver is to take that, the business to what you may see as the next level? Uh, to scale up, to take more risk. Like, why take more risk? It sounds like you make a modest living out of the business as it is. Um, why Why take it? Why do this? Okay, so that's a great question, Daniel. Like, what, what is the motive behind that? If I look back at some of the reasons why I started my own business was because, like, I wanted to bring something new and novel to the table. Yeah. And I feel like this next evolution of me and my brand would be Let's see what he can come up with with his own formulation. Um, and like what can he bring to the shelf that's going to have a huge impact and legacy for years and years to come? Like that's how I want to leave my mark in the supplement space and I want to showcase, oh, this is Boost Your Biology's testosterone booster. Like let's check out his formula. Let's see what he's got. What's he put together? What's his concoction? Like what has he been able to develop? Then of course, with that, hopefully become you know comes more profits, and it means that I can then start venturing out into different areas, like different areas within my business, such as like you know doing face to face workshops with like bigger groups, or going overseas to continue doing my seminars, and having the budget to like have a team more of a team around me, so that I don't have to be on my phone posting at six thirty a.m. in the mornings, like. Yeah, that's for me. And then ultimately having my own family in the future to have that level of financial freedom is like a big goal of mine because then, you know, I've got multiple streams of income, hopefully some investment properties. And at that point, like a degree of financial freedom. Yeah, makes sense. And uh, sounds like you've really, you've thought this through really well, which is awesome. But um, so, um, Look, we're getting close to the end of our time together and really enjoyed the conversation so far. So to recap, you know, you've you've come on quite a journey from it and, and you're still a young guy with lots of potential ahead of you. But from little things, you've um, you started off uh, selling lollies and, and remotes in your uh, at school. Um, you're playing soccer. You, you develop some early skills and attributes that you feel have helped you in entrepreneurship, dedication, resilience, um, perseverance. Uh, you've uh, started studying, you've understood that, you've found within yourself the confidence to bring a unique insight to an audience. You've built that audience. You've learned to deliver win-win outcomes. Um, you've clearly developed expertise in a particular space, which which is niche in the market itself. Um, you mentioned at the start of the call that you've got an accolade, Australia's best, and I, I don't remember exactly what it was. What is it? Uh, the title is Australia's Leading Biohacker. Biohacker, awesome. Yeah. So I guess it's one of the ways to finish up this discussion. Um, as a biohacker or a leading biohacker, um, what advice would you have for entrepreneurs or other small business owners? Uh, or tips, shall I say, rather than advice um, around managing their health and fitness so they can stay in business for the long game? Biggest bit of advice is looking after and managing your own energy levels. And that means that you're um, doing the right things to maximize your energy, such as all the things that I talk about, which is like getting good sleep, dialing in nutrition, optimizing your supplement protocol, you know, managing your stress. Because ultimately, 
there is no possible way that I could have built my business if I didn't have that extra two to three hours of work energy in me when I was staying back after university, you know, creating these posts. Like that ultimately came down to energy. If you don't have the energy, then you can't, you can't succeed and, you know, be productive. So I would say number one is like dial in your baseline energy. And I don't mean like using more coffee and, and stimulants. I mean, like actually like looking into blood work and things like that, um, because more energy equals more productivity and focus and more productivity and focus equals more, you know, output, more output equals more return. Ideally, if you're working with the right yeah. things. <laughs> um, awesome. Thank you for that. And I guess then to wrap this up, like from a business perspective, what are three tips that you'd give to someone that's either starting the journey or, or on the journey today uh, to succeeding in business? Number one is try not to perfect your product or service straight away before you've even established whether or not people even want your product or service. Like that is it absolute must. I mean, I'd say that at the pace that I work out with my work, sometimes my, my brother and I are very different. He's like more of a perfectionist and like, a, you know, more creative in that sense. I am just like, just get shit done as fast as possible. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be pretty good. Like it has to be pretty good. That's been my mindset. Number one, number two would be um, try to outsource as much of the mundane tasks as possible so that it's not draining your precious energy for high value activities. That's really important. Um, And then number three would be try and instill this mindset of pro collaboration. Like try and think about, I know you've got a product or a service that you you think is superior, but um, be open-minded to collaborating with people in, in your target niche, in literally in your space. Because before you know it, you'd be surprised. Like some of these like um, competitors might actually want to collaborate and might actually propel your business even further. Yeah. Awesome. Lucas, thank you so much for that. It's been an awesome uh, discussion. I really appreciate sharing your insights. Um, wishing you all the best for the next step and looking forward to seeing you uh, pop up in the US as well. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. It was uh, fun chatting. We'll, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. From Little Things is brought to you by Papera the all-in-one solution that makes business easy for Aussie sole traders, company directors, and small business owners. You can learn more and get started for free at papera.com. From Little Things is part of the Sonic Boom network of podcasts. To get your brand started on its own podcast, visit sonicboom.vc.